You're listening to an Al Mahdi Institute podcast. Thank you for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Now, we stated that the Quran talks to the people directly at hand. At the same time, talks of the truth as it stands within itself. So there are layered meanings there. Now, of course, we can extrapolate a lot more from the verse than what the verse is giving at face value. That is through contrast of other verses. So we will practice this somewhat as we go along, but we quickly need to cover a lot of ground. So I won't take too long on too many things. Now, if we looked at what we stated last week, that Allah is saying, if you disbelieve, and we translated that as, if you are ungrateful, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not lose anything. But if you're grateful, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased for you. Now Allah here uses the word, إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِضَاتِ sudur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of what is within the chests. Now, in other verses, Allah will say, when we'll go there in this particular surah, that he who Allah wishes to guide, he expands his chest. In another place, Allah says, and those people who disbelieve in Allah, their chests are constricted. Now here the word sadr is used, sadr. Now you will find this in the Quran, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses different terms. And at times we conflate them and we say they mean the same thing. But they do not mean the same thing. Allah uses the word sadr as chest. He uses the word qalb. He uses the word fuad. Fuad af'ida. Qalb qulub. Sadr sudur. When we look at the verses of the Quran, they seem to open up for us. Now, obviously, I'm in no way saying that I know what it means, but we need to deliberate together as we go along. The graves will be opened, and people, whoever is within the grave, will be raised, and whatever is within the chest will be taken out. It is as if this human being is a vassal. The chest is the store of the truth of what we are becoming. And what is within the chest is taken out. And that is what me and you are going to be looking like on the day of Qiyamah. But here the word chest means the inner being. It, when I read the verses of Sudur, Sadr, 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 it means the inner being more broader than meaning the heart, or meaning the word fuad and afida. It's in a more general meaning. So whenever we say, Allah, and He knows what their chests conceal. It means of their minds, of their emotions, whether heart is the seat of it, or whether fuad is the seat of it. Chest is more general. Now, in some other places, Allah SWT uses the word fuad together with the word qalb. In some places, the word fu'ad is used and af'ida is used. And in some places, the word qalb and qulub is used. Let us look at these contrasts. Because we will be seeing these things in there, we want to be mindful of how God is using them. So, Allah says that you are in the wombs of your mothers. He made you hearing, sight, and af'ida, fu'ad. Afida, the plural Afida is plural of Fuad. Now, in the reverse order, Allah says, Here he does not use the word Fuad, he uses the word Qulub, Qalb. In the verse of hell, he says, The fire 
that will rise from the afida, the fuad. And when it comes to the qalb, he uses two words. Fi qulubihim maradun, fazadahumu lahu marada. Illa manatallaha biqalbin salim. So we are looking at the word qalb and we are looking at the word fuad and they have distinct meanings. The word sadr is a general meaning to mean the inner state. Generally, whether it's the state of the heart or the general state of the fuad or whatever it is, the inner thoughts. Yes, sadr. When Allah says, ضَيِّقًا harajan," He makes their hearts constricted as if they are yasadu. As if they are climbing into the heavens where there's a drop of oxygen and the physical constriction. So he's talking about a physical constriction that's felt through psychological states. We feel physical constriction. Here he will say he broadens the heart and we physically actually feel like that. There are certain emotional states. I don't know if they raise certain enzymes, cause certain enzymes or certain hormones to come out in us that we feel this expansion. We feel beauty, we feel happiness, we can embrace the whole world. These are the inner states that are de depicted by the word Sadr within the Quran. The attitude, the attitude is depicted by the word Qalb within the Quran. The attitude. So Allah SWT says, they have eyes with which they see not, they have ears with which they hear not, they have hearts with which they reflect not. So heart here, is a point of realization and it is the inner attitude. So Allah SWT says, Allah seals their hearts. Now if heart was only understanding, then that means that they do not understand what the Prophet is saying. Then that defeats the whole purpose. If they did not understand what the Prophet is saying, it defeats the whole purpose because they're not understanding it. This is not what God is trying to say. They have hearts with which they understand not means they have hearts which recognize not. That's actually what it means. They understand the logical arguments very well. They understand the rational arguments that the Prophet is placing. But they are not in a position to accept them due to that impediment of attitude and the heart, i.e. their identities and their personalities. So heart is reflecting the state of personality and inner attitude. No matter how much you tell them, O oh Prophet, they will not listen to you. Allah has sealed their hearts. Their hearts are not sealed, but there is a sickness in their hearts, which actually prevails over the faculty of recognition. They will not acknowledge, they will not recognize, they will not acknowledge, no matter what you tell them. Now you find that often within us ourselves, that when we are biased towards something, we will fail to recognize the truth despite understanding it. And we will find utmost arguments to defeat that truth. This is not that the truth does not make sense within itself. It means that we do not have the ability to acknowledge it and to recognize it. Now this is interesting now, the word Fuad. Allah says in the Quran, that when the mother of Moses placed Moses inside that basket and cast it into the Nile or the river or whatever, the fuad of the mother of Moses became empty. Now here she is beginning to miss Moses and she is becoming very emotional. Allah says, but we calmed her heart. And had we not calmed her heart, 
she would have displayed that she has done this to Moses and that Moses is her child. So here's a contrast between Fuad and Qalb. Qalb, when we are stable, the inner states of the heart, we are stable, we are anxious, we are in love, we are hating. This seems to be the seat where the Qalb is. Whereas Fuad seems to be the whole mental faculties. How we think, we begin to miss, we imagine things, so on and so forth. So now, when we begin to miss somebody, our hearts become emotional, don't they? And then we speak out. Yes? When we begin to think something, and the hearts became enraged, if it's an angry, a thought that incites anger, for example. So this is the way in which these words are being used, and it's extremely intriguing, the way these fluctuations happen within the Quran. So pay quite close attention because whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word, obviously the, the, the Arabs had a particular utility of that word which we need to refer to. How did the Arabs in their poetry utilize those words? And now how is Quran using it in line with their understanding and in line with the contrast that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes within the Quran? <clears throat> the verse then says, now this was pertinent not only to the Meccans but this is the eternal part of the Quran. I do not say that the Quran is eternal in form in every space, in every place. Quran is eternal in its essence. The forms of the Quran were there to accommodate certain things. But there are certain forms of the Quran that talk about human psychology. They talk about theology. They talk about cosmology. These are hard facts. As, and since they are factual of the nature, they are eternal in that sense. So here Allah SWT is saying that, well, when, when you are faced with difficulties, you turn longingly to Allah. I ask a simple question. The Meccans were not acknowledging the existence of Allah. How did this verse make sense to them? What Allah SWT was telling them here is a very deep reality. That in your own souls, you refer to God of gods. The one beyond Lat, the one beyond Uzza. The one who can truly come to your aid at that point. The one that is deep within you. You revert to him. All the veils break. And then you find him, that God. The true God that is inside you. Now Bilqis, when she, obviously when, when Suleiman took Bilqis and she saw, and she saw, she thought this was a, a stream of water. So she lifted her robes. And then she was told that these are emeralds and pearls or emeralds and rubies. She said, oh my Lord, I have been oppressive to myself. And I submit with Sulaiman to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So Allah here was the other. But oh my Lord was the real God that she immediately talks to. Is that getting through? We are all acknowledging God at two levels. One is, oh my God, the one that's deep inside there. And the other one is Allah, with his definition of being one, the overpowering, the supreme, the most beautiful, the most benevolent, the most forgiving. But in there is the real recognition of God. This is what the verse pointing at, because then the Mecca says, we don't know Allah, we don't recognize him. How can you say that we call on to Allah? Allah is saying, no, I'm talking about the truth, the God that is with you, that you know. 
is always with you and is always listening to you. It's not Lat, it's not Uzza, it's not even the formalistic Allah of the Muslims. It is the real God that is always accompanying you. So this particular verse is pointing at our psychology as well. It's one of those eternal verses that at the point of tribulation, immense trauma, we awaken to that reality that has always been with us. And we yearn that reality, O oh Lord. When we say, O oh Lord, that Lord becomes nameless, becomes colorless, becomes genderless, becomes formless, becomes less of everything and possession of everything. He is just that absolute capability of doing anything and everything that he wants. And that Lord lives deep within our consciousness. In fact, that is the cry of the heart, which is the seat of God. The verse says, then when we remove this away from you, then you start associating with Allah. So that, and then Allah SWT is talking about a particular person, whoever associates with Allah, and then he misguides through that. Now, obviously it depicts our state as well. I'm sure we are not like that, but it is a tendency that we have. That when we are in hospital and our children are suffering, our parents are suffering, so on and so forth, we plead to that nameless God. We plead to that nameless God. That state of attentiveness towards God is removed once the condition stabilizes. We slip away into our make-believe, fabricated, illusionary and deluded worlds once again. This is a psychological state towards which God is pointing us to. That this is an ongoing state. This is not the state of the mushrikeen. This is a state of humanity. At large, this is our nature. And we are supposed to increase God's focus by the minute, by the instance, and not to slip back into those states. Now, if you look at what Allah says here, Allah SWT in the next verse says, Indeed, remember, mine are only those who are the possessors of albab. Ulul albab. So the people of lub. Now, lub means the kernel, the core of a thing. Ulul albab means the possessors of deep insight. You see, when we put away all our likes and dislikes, and we think into something very honestly and truthfully, we will say, yeah, this makes sense. Allah seems to be calling this the ulul albab. Now, he's going to repeat this again and again. Ulul albab. The people of the lub. But he says, none remember this except for ulul albab. Now, when Allah uses the word remembrance in the Quran, see, we often misinterpret the word remembrance. Remembrance is not to recall or recollect that which was known by us and then forgotten. Recollection at times become means become my, becoming mindful. Yes, becoming mindful. The Quran is a reminder. Reminder of what? A truth that is forgotten. No. A truth of which we have become mindless. So when the Prophet said to the people, don't kill, it's bad. Don't steal, it's bad. Don't cheat, it's bad. People said, he makes sense. We had forgotten this. But the thing is, how do you know it's the truth? It was a piece of information that you got. Where can you make a judgment that this is the truth? Who can teach you that? Nobody can make that judgment. This is the truth, right? 
We can only be told that this person says this is the truth. But how can me and you or you and I can make this judgment that this is the truth? Here is what Plato says. Remember Plato, he said nobody can teach us anything. We just remember things. We just have means after which we remember. It's true. It's true. Nobody can teach us the truth. The truth is within us all together. It's intuitive. So what happens here is that we say, oh yes, this makes sense. I was heedless of it. I forgot it. It does not mean I've forgotten a piece of information. I became heedless of something that is so obvious. If we were to give this interpretation to this yatadakkaru, and we were to say that uh, verse, we were to analyze that verse, Alam ilaykum ya bani adama. Did I not take a pledge from you, O son of Adam, that you will not worship the devil? Or the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, I took from the children of Adam a pledge. Allah to be rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? We are saying, I don't remember any of these things. I don't remember any of those things. And it's true. Do you remember it? When God took pledge from you? Nobody. But Allah yet says in the, on, uh, in the verse, يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ insan, The day on which man will remember. But of what good is his remembrance on that day? This does not mean remember. It means becoming mindful. It was so obvious. It was so obvious that that was the only path. The only path is one of growth, moral refinement, spiritual alignment. That was the only path. How can there be any other path? So tadakkur in the Quran often means in the meaning of becoming mindful of something that is already available, not trying to remember something that might have become forgotten. I just want you to look at this particular thing. Allah SWT talks about ihsan in the Quran. He does not talk about adl. In Allah, ya'muru bil adli wal ihsan. He commands with justice and ihsan. Yes? But he says, he who does ihsan will have good. Now, ihsan, according to the prophetic narration, is you worship God as if you are seeing God. What does ihsan mean, therefore? It means to do anything with utmost conviction and surety, according to this narration. However, ihsan has an existential meaning as well. What is the existential meaning of ihsan? There is no such thing as justice. Think about these things. There is no such thing as justice. Justice is an arbitrary notion that our minds construct. Sometimes people ask, is Allah just? It's a futile question. Because Allah dictates the terms of justice. The one who dictates the terms of justice cannot be reckoned by those terms because he can change it at any instance. Is that making sense? For me and you, what is justice? Is to give everything its rightful due. That's justice, isn't it? Yes? But in an evolutionary world, everything's rightful due is always changing. So how would you know what is that person's rightful due? In a few years ago, not allowing women right to vote was just. A few years after, not allowing women the right for voting was unjust. Can you see that? Few years later, 
giving a lesser wage to women than men was just. In the contemporary, it's become the biggest expression of injustice. And now women will get the same wage as men. So justice can never be understood. It can never, ever be understood. The reason why our lazy minds bring this notion of justice is because that's the way Allah has created things. He's created it in a balance. So we say justice means balance. But in truth, there is no such thing as justice. The only thing the mind realizes is what? Instances of injustice. And whenever it realizes instances of injustice, it tries to tweak it by making it just. But it can never do it. So what does it do? It goes above and beyond the, the demand of justice and it does ahsan instead. Have you not seen this? Negative egalitarian. Because women don't have rights, now we will give them rights well beyond the rights of man in order to compensate for the lack. Are you seeing that? Religious minorities, they were deprived of rights. So in order to be politically correct, we not only bring them to par, but we give them more rights to be able to be seen to be more correct. So this is a constant state of ahsan. Of course, I explained this in the existential theory, but I don't want to uh, talk about this here. So the world of God only operates on ihsan, not on justice. But Allah says in Allah, Ya'amuru bil adli wal ihsan. What is adl therefore? What is adl? Ihsan is what we do all the time, trying to get back things in their proper order because everything is flowing in an evolutionary cycle. So what is adl therefore? Adl is the lowest denominator where everybody has to get that right at least or to compensate somebody give them the very minimal that's known as adal adal is the very minimal requirement of a society to operate when we have understood adal for that instance so for example when we say the rights of women are that they should get equal pay now adal means give them equal pay but that can only be realized after we see the deficiency <clears throat> If you were to look at the Quran in Suratul An'am, I think, and Surah Qul, you find this. Qul inni umirt. Qul inni akhaf. Qul illa a'bud. Qul innal khasirin al-ladina. Why does the Prophet has to have to repeat the word Qul? See, look, if Jibrail came to me and he said, Qul, huwa Allah ahad, what would I do? I will say, huwa Allah ahad. I will not repeat the word kul. The blessed prophet is repeating the word kul. This shows something phenomenal. That the blessed prophet, whenever he encountered what he recognized as, as wahi, he never exercised his mind within it. His own psychological condition was influential in the way in which he received the wahi. Undeniably. His own personal circumstances were influential. Uh, Lady Aisha going missing, verses come about her. Yes? The women being chastised, the verses come about, draping themselves. Talking to the wives of the Prophet behind the uh, curtain. His own personal states, circumstances were influential in the revelation of the Quran. But his mind never exercised any form of discretion over the revelation of the Quran. This is quite amazing. If Gabriel came to me and said, Kul, I would say, Allahu Ahad. I would not say, Kul, Huwa Allahu Ahad. It doesn't make any sense. 
But the Prophet said, Qul huwa Allah, which shows that he is a very untarnished medium in the revelation of the Quran. Even though his personal circumstances, his own psychology, la tahzan alayhim, do not grieve on them, O Prophet. I know your chest is become constructed, O Prophet. His own personal psychological states were influential in the revelation of the Quran, but he never, whenever he felt he's encountering a wahi, he never used his mind to discern the words. He just gave it out. He just spoke them out. And people wrote them. Now, if you look at Surah Qiyamah, Surah Qiyamah, and I've discussed this in many of my lectures, there is a beautiful flow, and suddenly the flow breaks. It's addressing the Prophet. The Prophet was being commanded. O Muhammad, do not move your tongue to quickly deliver the Quran. What the Prophet was doing was he was trying to retain the Quran, lest it becomes forgotten. Now, you know, the community here will be baffled. Does the Quran get forgotten? Allah says, we do not abrogate a verse or we do not cause it to be forgotten. Allah himself is saying, we do not cause the Quran verse being abrogated or become forgotten, save that we bring back it's better, better than it or it's like. Yes, the Quran is saying that. He said to the Prophet or Muhammad if you forget, then remember Allah. Surah Kahf is saying it, right? So this was the instructions particularly to the Prophet. You know the Surah Kahf, and then suddenly the Quran says, Oh Muhammad, do not move your tongue to hastily give it. We will gather it. You don't worry about this. Now these were personal instructions to Prophet Muhammad, but he spoke it out as the Quran. Can you see that? If I was told, La tuharik I would know immediately it's talking to me. It's not talking about wahi. But the beauty of Prophet Muhammad was that whenever he encountered what was wahi, he gave it out, and that actually became the ordained wahi. Because Allah SWT at a later date could have taken it all out. We know, right? That afterwards the Prophet said, put this verse here, put that verse there, put that verse there. He never said, keep these, take, take this out. He never said, take the kul out, take the kul out. You know, I said it. It wasn't meant to be as a wahi. But the beauty of the Prophet was that he was such an untarnished medium. And when he said it with that beauty, it actually acquired the color of wahi. Had the Prophet not been making haste in delivering the Quran, that would never come. He would have never come. But it came addressing the Prophet's personal situation. But the beauty in the whole situation was that Allah then leaves it all as a wahi. So when we say, when we see the word qul, it gives us a lot of confidence into the validity of the Quran, that the Quran is not something that the Prophet has spoken choosing his own words. Quran is wahi from Allah SWT. The Prophet says, I, I mentioned this a, a couple of weeks ago, that the uh, surah says, look, has he ever written anything like this before? Have you ever seen his right hand write? He doesn't write. He doesn't read. He doesn't write. So how all of a sudden does he get all of these things? This is what when Abu Sufyan was discussing these things with the elders of Makkah, his wife comes and he said, but Muhammad has never spoken these things before. How does he get so such eloquent prose and verses? Where does it come from? You know, it begs the question that it has to be something from a superior source. He can't be learning these things. 
He hasn't read, he hasn't written, he hasn't haven't spoken. And the Prophet says to them, I lived with you for so many years. Have you ever heard me say things like these? So this gives us a lot of confidence that uh, this Quran is a valid document. If you look at the verses of hell, these are frightful verses. Now, people would say that, well, the Meccans were people accustomed to heat. So if you say there'll be a hot place, it doesn't mean anything to them. So then you have to intensify that heat and make it very hot. On top of this are clouds of fire. On top of there are more clouds of fire. This is not something that I deny. Yes, it has to be made very graphically horrible so people know that there is something serious going on. What is baffling me is, why should there be hell in the first instance? Why should there be hell in the first instance? It's amazing. What is the need for hell? Have you ever thought of that? When you look at the hell, you think Allah does not create without a purpose. So hell seems to be this powerhouse of the universe. Shaitan says to Allah, I will misguide them all. Allah says, I will fill the hell with you and whoever follows you from them, all of you. Adam has not even been sent to earth and Allah says, I'm going to fill the hell with all of them. <coughs> we have made many for hell. Jesus said, I see people's souls falling in hell. Yes? Like on a rainy day, you see the drops of rain descending in abundance. The Prophet said, for every one of you who goes to heaven, a thousand will go to hell. So Sahaba began to cry. That after one, one in one thousand, 999 will go to hell and one will go to heaven. Yes? Doesn't this sound contrary to what I normally preach? <laughs> so they cried. So the Prophet said, no, no. It's Yajuj and Majuj will be going to hell, not you guys. You guys will be spared by and large, yes? I'll be doing Shafa'at. And Yajuj and Majuj, we need to talk about them at some other point. Yeah? But why is hell needed? Why is hell needed? When you look at this verse, and verses similarly, I ask you to go and ponder on these things, yes? Its fuel is man and stone. So until the fuel gets there, the hell does not burn. Yes? And when the hell is kindled, so it's not kindled yet, because the fuel is not there. The fire that springs from the afida. It seems actually that inferno is the human soul and human mind that will just combust. And will be burning. But Allah's work is always filled with wisdom. It's always filled with wisdom. It shows that this life is not one in which God has just made us and sent us. And then said, I'll fill hell because then God would become very unjust. How can you justify a God who makes us without asking us, puts us here and says, well, look, I've given you a reward, but you've given us hell as well. I would much rather not face the prospect of hell than not be created. Why did you create me? Isn't that a logical question? Yes? Allah, I did not ask you to create me. Why did you put me here? Now that you've put me here, you demand all these obediences before you give me paradise. And then you tell me you're going to go to... What sort of a God are you? 
Doesn't it strike to anybody's mind to question God? What sort of a God are you? This is not God at all. The Quran says a very different story. That actually this life is one in which we knew. We guided him both the parts. He's either grateful or ungrateful. Yes? It's a very serious thing that's going on here. And hell is that powerhouse that is actually needed for the universe. And we are the fuel for that powerhouse. Because we are generating such intensity that no body or burning mass can generate. That intensity is within us. That is the way it's appearing to me. Please read the Quran and see what it is saying. Allah says to them, taste, this is what you have earned. This is what you have done yourself. Now, if you look at the words before, لا تذروا وزيرة وزيرة لا تذروا وزيرة وزيرة أخرى No soul will carry the burden of another soul. You know, and shaitan says, do this ukfur. Do kufr and I will carry your burden. And when man does kufr, shaitan will say, no, I fear Allah. It's amazing the mysteries that the Quran gives. No burden will be borne by another soul. It's like saying to somebody, look, the book that you read and the book that B reads, the book that B reads will not transfer from his head into your head. It's an existential story. What your soul becomes is what your soul becomes. What his and her soul becomes is what his and her souls becomes and nobody can share anything. Yeah? What you're becoming is you. Nobody can bear your burden. Even the great prophet will not be able to bear your burden. As the great prophet himself said, standing on the Mount of Marwa, if you come to me on the day of Qiyamah with your nobility of being Quraysh, if you have not done good, I will not be able to do anything for you. And if somebody despicable in your sight comes to me on the day of Qiyamah, having done good with Allah, he will have all the good. Yes? Imam Sadiq said, I do not have any kinship with Allah. I can't do anything for you. It is between you and your God. If you don't study, you're not going to pass because I'm not going to sit in your exam. You're going to sit. You pass, you fail. It's an existential thing. So I'm saying in that, this hellfire seems to be very much something that is most needed in the whole story of the cosmos and the dynamism that is there within the cosmos. And the second thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not kindle the hellfire in the way that we have understood. We are the fire. God forbid. We are the fire. Support Al-Mahadi Institute. Visit almahadi.edu.